0: Obviously, what a godly, saintly man <laughs> listens to Christian radio. Now, I'm sure I am the only hypocrite. Delphine's looking at me, going, Are you an idiot? <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. What a stupid thing to do. I will shut up now. <laughs> what a stupid thing to do. I don't know. Have you ever sat in a prayer meeting or maybe just a prayer time where you're praying in public? And you're busy praying and you go, oh, wow, that was good. Oh, I like that. I'm going to remember how I put it that way. Am I the only one? (laughs) Maybe I am the only one. (laughs) Have you ever sat in a prayer meeting and listened to someone and thought, wow, that person's just showing off? Probably when I'm praying. (laughs) Have you ever done something, anything, and given yourself a pat on the back? And isn't it nice when you do something good and everybody comes to you and goes, wow, oh, what a good person you are. And isn't it tempting next time to do the same thing again because they're going to tell me how good I am. And whoa! As Christians, we are called, you know what? As Christians, we're called to pray. So let's pray first. Lord, please help us to understand what you say. Lord, we are not amazing people but you love us and that's amazing enough please speak to us this morning help us to know you and to know your love by your spirit open our eyes and our minds and our hearts and our lives do not let us be content to stay as people who love the praise of men but help us to to desire you and your reward above all else Speak, I pray. Amen. As Christians, we are called to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to change us so that we are formed evermore into the likeness of Jesus. Jesus, whose very action showed, every action showed how much God loves us, but also showed how much he loves God and how much he loves humanity. Jesus expects us. To practice acts of righteousness, depending on your translation, or as the New Living Translation puts it, to, to practice good deeds, to do good things, to do right things, holy things. But Jesus expects us to do it not as a religious duty, I believe, but as, as a means of letting how we act line up with who we are as people who have been rescued and saved by Jesus. As Don Carson puts it, it seems that the greater the demand for holiness on our lives, the greater the opportunity for hypocrisy. Now, you know, I have admitted this morning that I am a hypocrite. I am a fully aware that nobody else in this congregation is, but please bear with me. Um, let, know that I'm preaching to myself. If anything happens to coincide with your life, I'm sure it's just coincidence. Except for Mark. Mark, I know you're a hypocrite. And a good one. I suspect you and I are not alone. <laughs> How easily our motivation is impressing people rather than impressing God. I think if we want to define hypocrisy we might say that hypocrisy is doing the right things for the wrong reasons. Hypocrisy is being good on the outside while the inside is rotten to the core. The word hypocrisy comes from the Greek uh, theater where the actors would wear masks to hide their faces so that you wouldn't know who they were. That's what hypocrisy is. It's putting a mask up to cover who we really are. Are and Jesus's warning here in chapter six, verse one, is to uh, not do our good deeds publicly to be admired for other by others. Because if our aim is to be applauded and lauded by people, then there will be no reward from our Father. You know, you can do amazing things in God's name. You can help someone with leprosy and wash their wounds. You can turn the other cheek. You can give till you've got no money to buy food for yourself, but but if the reason you're doing it is so that everybody will look at you and go, wow, what an amazing Christian. You know, that's good stuff to do. That's fantastic stuff to do. It's righteous deeds. It's good works. But if our ambition is to be praised by men, that will be our reward. C.S. Lewis says that that appropriate rewards are not really separate to the thing that it's awarded for, but they are they are that deed in consummation. If we had. Adm- am- if we have ambition for people's praise, that will be our only reward. It's so easy to be good and have everyone think we're holy, but actually be bad. And the idea I don't know how you feel about the idea that God rewards. It's quite a, a common idea in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that, that well, in the Old Testament, it's a bit more nuanced. Maybe. In the Old Testament, the idea is that that God rewards you when you do good, and He punishes you when you do bad. If you read Deuteronomy 28, there's a whole chapter there saying, if you do the right thing, God will bless you in this and this and this way, and if you do the wrong thing, God is going to punish you, and you're going to know all about it. Do the good thing, reward. Do the bad thing, punishment. But Jesus takes that and, and says, okay... That, that, that might be true, but it's, it's not the whole story. See, there is a nuance to this, because God's not just impressed by what we do. Doing the right thing isn't enough to impress God. What matters in God's eyes is our motivation. Why we do what we do. And Jesus zeroes in in this passage on three examples of religious duties. But what he says applies more broadly. And we're going we're to look at these, at, at the idea of giving to the needy of, of prayer and of fasting. But, but please, this is not the sum total of what Jesus is talking about. What Jesus says here, verse 1, applies to every single good deed that we do. Every, every religious duty, every spiritual discipline, anything that we do, this applies. And Jesus calls us to, to instead of seeking, to be showy and self-seeking. He he says, I want you to do good in secret. I want you to do your good deeds for God's eyes only. So the first example is the example of uh, almsgiving or giving to the poor. Now, Giving was one of the pillars of Jewish religious life. If you were a good Jew, you would give. But the Pharisees of the day, the the hypocrites of the day, were driven by a desire to be seen as the most godly people by other people. John 12.43 says that they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And Jesus pictures them here in in Matthew chapter 6. This image of them walking trumpets. You know, everybody's going, what's this noise? What's this noise? And hey, hey. Oh, you poor man. Have some food. And everybody looks and goes, wow. Isn't he generous? Isn't he kind? Isn't he wonderful? Ironically, it says Jesus here in verse two. He says that these people are not giving so much as buying, and they are paid with human recognition. You see, the word that Matthew uses there—it's difficult to translate into an English sentence—but it's a technical word. That that means being paid in full and given a receipt. They are paid in full and given a receipt and, and that payment is people looking at them going, aren't you amazing? Doing something good doesn't necessarily impress God. Without the right motives, a lot of what we do a lot of the religious things we do are just spiritually empty. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that, that without love, and I think Jesus here is saying that doesn't include love of the limelight. Without love, it's hollow. It's empty. It's a clanging symbol. And Jesus turns around and he says, in, instead of looking for people to see you and praise you and lord you, go and do your righteous deeds, your good works. Do them secretly. And, and not just secretly from other people, but, but go as far as to do them secretly from yourself. Now your right hand is, is for most of us, your, your strong hand. So that's the hand you'd use to maybe give to the poor. Jesus says, if you're giving to the poor with your right hand, don't let your left hand know what you're on about. This is not literal. Don't hide your left hand behind your back while you give to the poor. What Jesus is saying here, I believe, is, is to keep our giving private and, and secret from ourselves. in as much as, isn't it so much easier to give sacrificially when you can feel smug about it? Debbie, it's not easier, shaking your head. I think it's easier. If you can go, wow, you know what? That's a good thing. That's a good thing, Nick. You've, you've helped that person. You've done, a, you've done a really, really good thing. You know, self-congratulation is the gateway drug to self-righteousness. I'm better than the others. I saw a need. Charles over here has no food. I gave him food. Jimmy, not that Jim, this Jimmy, saw the same thing of Charles and he didn't do anything. Well done, Nick, well done. It doesn't matter, says Jesus, if nobody else ever knows what we've done. It's so tempting to have everyone think you must be better than they are, or to think that ourselves, but says Jesus, though nobody knows, though we do it and forget about doing it ourselves, and that's easier said than done, but but what Jesus is saying there is saying when you give to the poor, don't, don't... don't go over and over and over it again in your head. Just, just do it and move on. Don't try and reward yourself because, because even though nobody knows, even though you yourself don't know, your Father knows. And He will reward you. Well, what about praying? Just as with helping the needy, Jesus assumes that His followers will pray. When you pray. He says over here, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everybody can help them. You know, sin can, twi- can help them, can, can see them. Sin can twist even talking with God into an act of worshiping myself. It's so easy to speak not to the invisible God, but to the visible people around us. So much of what we do for God is actually about impressing other people. And the hypocrites, as Jesus says, love to pray in public places like street corners and synagogues. And and there's some talk that there were official times of prayer back then. And you know what? If you time your afternoon walk exactly right, you can arrive on a good street corner. Because, you know, it's the right time to pray. And, and, oh, I just happen to be in a place where 3,000 people can watch me pray. But it's what we are in private when only God can see us. That's who we really are. And so when we want to talk with our Father, says Jesus, we are to go into uh, an inner room. Shut the door. Somewhere where we can speak openly and privately with God with no one else hearing. In those days, this was probably the only This was probably the only room in the house with no uh, windows and with a door. A storeroom, probably. Jesus says, go into the place where you can be alone and speak with God. Jesus is not, let it be said, anti-public prayer. In fact, Jesus goes on in this passage, and we're not going to look at the Lord's Prayer today, uh, but... But Jesus goes on to give a model prayer that is a public community prayer. It's worded with our and us. Our Father who is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. Jesus is not against public prayer, but, but what Jesus is looking for is our heart. He's looking for us to be with him. God knows also what we need. He, he doesn't need us to babble on and 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 on. You know, I've got to stop now. Jesus doesn't need us to keep on so that he will be forced to act. Prayer isn't about impressing others. Or it shouldn't be about impressing others. And, and prayer shouldn't be about trying to force God to to our will. Prayer should be about about loving God. And so the questions we ask ourselves are do you pray more fervently when you're by yourself or when there are people listening? Is your public prayer an, hour, an, an overflowing, an outflowing of your private prayer? Do we pray much when we are alone with God? When we pray, is our attention on ourselves, on others, or on God? Jesus says if we are praying to impress other people, our reward will be that they will praise us. Full stop. And I read in one of the commentaries, and it it struck me this. How many prayers go unanswered because they're not actually meant for God's ears? How many prayers go unanswered because they're not actually meant for God's ears? Is our motivation being with God? even when we're praying in public is God the focus because then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. thats I've admitted to you that's a difficult one for me and I think it's partly because of of my job <laughs> makes that more difficult. But, but for all of us, remember, there's a place here where we need to be asking these questions of ourselves. Now, what about fasting? A good Baptist tradition, which I'm sure many of us do. Uh, and it's interesting that Jesus does uh, assume here, as with giving to the poor, as with um, As with praying, Jesus assumes that his followers will fast. Um, We're not doing a sermon on fasting. We're just touching on it. Um, It is something that happens in the church. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Uh, The church in Antioch fasted. In fact, the New Testament is full of Christians fasting. And Jesus says here, when you fast. Uh, And fasting is still appropriate today. It's, it's, It's about self denial it's about self discipline it's about often often about seeking to to show sorrow to god for a past sin or it's about seeking to to say to god lord i depend on you would you would you show me guidance would you direct me would you bless us it's it's seeking god it's humbling ourselves before god but 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 sin is so insidious that that it can take even self discipline and morph it into a pompous self-righteousness. Strict Pharisees fasted at least twice a week. I believe it was Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they made sure that everybody knew about it. They would disfigure themselves, cover their heads with ashes and sackcloth and and whatnot. Uh, The word there says they almost make themselves invisible. Not too invisible because you want to be recognized. Of course, we we never ever do things like that. We, We are not hypocrites. Are we? Says Jesus, rather than trying to impress other people, He doesn't say don't fast. He doesn't say don't humble yourself before God. He doesn't say seek God's guidance. He, you know what I mean, he doesn't say, he says do it, but do it privately. Do it secretly. If our ambition is to humble ourselves before God, why should anyone other than God know about it? To set aside something you love, even something necessary for a time, can either be a means of showing off. In which case, our reward is the adulation of our peers. Or it can be a time of saying to God, God, you alone are more precious to me than anything else. You alone satisfy. And says Jesus... God, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Prayer, fasting, giving to the poor, insert your favorite spiritual discipline or good deed or act of righteousness. There are hundreds of them. What motivates? You and me. Hypocrites are motivated by vanity, having one's uh, f- ego stoked by appreciation. And Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, hits the nail on the head, I, I think, when he says that ultimately we please others to please ourselves. We want people to be impressed with us because, hey, makes me feel good. But if having the fire of our ego stoked is our ambition, that will also be our reward. True followers of Jesus might do exactly the same things as a hypocrite. In fact, they probably will. They will give to the poor. They will pray. They will um, fast. They will do a myriad of other things. But they will do so humbly wanting to please God, wanting his recognition and his reward. And Jesus doesn't say what the reward is, but without being dogmatic, can I suggest that it might be the reward of pleasing God? Hearing him say one day to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little bit. Come into my presence and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna entrust you with so much more to be faithful over. Jesus tells a parable of that. I wonder if that is the reward that God says, you know what? Well done. And so then the question comes down to do we want a well done from our peers and our friends and our fellow Christians? Do we want to be thought impressive and wonderful and amazing and have God go, oh, yeah, I suppose it's good works. Or do we want God to come and say, you know what? You weren't doing that so that people would think you were great. You were doing that because you love me. And because you love me, because you love other people. Well done. Well done. Aren't those powerful words? You know, right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, I'm going off tangent here, right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, when when he was baptized in the Jordan and the Spirit came down on him like a dove, do you remember what what Jesus heard? The voice from heaven said to him, this is my son, my beloved son. With him I am well pleased. That's a powerful word there. God saying already to Jesus, well done. I don't know about you, but I want to hear Jesus say well done to me. And yet so often we get caught up with, with hearing Eric say well done to me. And hearing Mark say well done to me. And we want other people to think how impressive we are. When actually, no offense to these guys, but your well done is pathetic. I want the well done of the, of the one above. I appreciate yours, by the way. But I want the one of the one above. And you know, it's easy to look good and be bad. It's easy to bluff an audience with a mask. It's even easy, as uh, the great German theologian Bonhoeffer says, it's easy to lay on a very nice show for myself, even in the privacy of my own room. But we cannot bluff God. He knows if our ultimate desire is pleasing Him or not. He knows if we'd still act just because we love Him, even if nobody else knew. The Russian writer Turgenev said, I do not know what the heart of a bad man is like, but I do know what the heart of a good man is like. And it's terrible. My motivations are not always what they should be. Can I just have a show of hands? Whose motivations are not always what they should be? And whoever doesn't put up their hands will send the elders to talk to you because there's there's obviously an issue. (laughs) Jesus knows that. But his challenge to us now is to seek to make God our motivation. Let's ask him to do that. Lord, so often we settle for second best. And it's wonderful to have people encouraging us. But Lord, when encouragement slips into finding our worth and our value in their praise and adulation, there's an issue. Lord, I pray that that we would look for our worth and our reward from you alone. Jesus, I pray that that we would do good works, that we would live our life the way that you lived yours, that our every action would show your love. But Jesus, I pray that you would give us the humility to do it for your eyes only. Lord, that, that we would seek you first as we love others as we love you Jesus be our overriding motive as we finish the prayer let's, let's read together the prayer that Jesus suggests that we should pray our father in heaven may your name be kept holy may your kingdom come soon May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation. Even the temptation of seeking praise from others. But rescue us from the evil one. Amen. Praise the Lord that I'm not a...